0: Welcome to Pat Sherlock's podcast series, interviews with top mortgage sales leaders. Learn practical tips for improving sales management results. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Pat Sherlock, and welcome to the podcast. Today's topic is so important. It's starting from scratch. A consumer direct business line. I'm really excited to have our expert today, Nick Rutherford, who is SVP at Atlantic Coast Mortgage. He is a head of CD. Prior to that, Nick was with McClone Mortgage Group. Hi, Nick. Hi, Pat. Thanks for having me. Well, this is such a big topic. I get calls every day about starting a CD center, so it definitely seems to be a trend line within mortgage banking. But first, why don't you talk about how you got into the business and also how you got into managing?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, I I always joke that I was destined to be in the mortgage industry. My family owns a a mortgage bank in upstate New York, Homestead Funding. And, you know, from a young age, it was always something that I was interested in. It's, uh, you know, a little cheesy, but I always say that I look at all of the, you know, the things and the opportunity that the mortgage industry has provided for me and my family. And thought, you know, why wouldn't I want to be a part of it?
0: What are some of the challenges that you faced in your current role? And again, you started a consumer direct business line from scratch.
1: Yeah. So starting a line from scratch, I mean, there's a ton of challenges that you face. I mean, a, a lot of them internal, making sure that you have the correct people in place, the correct setup. But speaking more to the brand, because that's probably more important for your listeners, is you're starting from th- something from scratch. You don't have a reputation and when you're lending consumer direct and unless you're a quicken or a loan depot most people aren't going to know your name and they're definitely not going to know your name or your reputation right away so in order to generate business or or to get people to trust the brand and to trust the pricing you're putting out in the world it is a big challenge because they don't know you and i think consumer direct might not have the greatest reputation as far as customer service goes. So that was one thing that we really wanted to emphasize at the outset is how do we start building reviews? How do we start building a reputable brand so then we can start generating some leads and generating volume a a little easier?
0: So Nick, when you're looking about 2021, what surprises you? And now the Consumer Direct Business line has been operating for a little while. Talk about that. Yeah, so
1: I would say the biggest surprise for me in, in 2021 is how quickly the refi market shifted. At the beginning of 2021 and toward the end of 2020, it seemed like in a consumer direct channel the, the refi business w- was really easy to get. There was a lot of people looking. I think the news was very heavily low rate geared. So a lot of people were out searching and the business was really easy. And then as we got into the beginning of 2021, and now as we head into the summer, that business is still out there. The market's still great. Rates are still great. But I think it's not quite as easy to come by. Lead volume is slightly more difficult. And I I think that's because a lot of companies are are doing exactly what we did at, at ACM. You're looking to expand your reach. You have some extra capital. You're starting up consumer direct groups. And for every group that pops up, that, that's, you know, a, a percent or two, you know, less lead volume or, or less business for people competing in that same space.
0: That's a great point for sure. And I definitely do get lots of calls about that business line. It does seem like everybody's entering it. So how do you stay on top of, I mean, mortgage banking is constant change. Uh, How do you stay on top of all of these issues?
1: I think having a a good network is great. Networking, having people that you can reach out to, just talk about that. What's going on in your business? What's going on in the market? What trends do you forecast? And one of the ways that i like to do that is through my technology partners i find that when you talk to bigger technology partners they work with companies from all different walks of life whether it's retail wholesale you know the different ways of doing consumer direct they're going to have a lot more insight than i'm ever going to have or whatever consumer direct friends that that i talk with because they see it from so many of their clients so they really aggregate a lot of the information, the, the, the troubles, the things that are working well, a lot more than I ever could. So I, I like to lean on that.
0: Well, that's really smart. And I sometimes think that vendors aren't looked at that way. And you really have made a really good point. And same way with consulting. And anyone that deals with multiple lenders has a lot of different insights. So that seems very smart, what you're doing.
1: Yeah. And I think that, that we know that, that companies, whether you're either in consulting or whether you're in mortgage tech most of those companies are are founded by former loan officers or or former executives or, or people that have an intimate knowledge So not only do they have this database, they understand exactly what we're going through so they know how to apply that information and and to really guide us on the right path.
0: Well, that's certainly the role that a good partner does, and I think that's certainly what people should be looking for. So let's dovetail into the nitty-gritty of starting from scratch. So tell us what you did when you started the, the Consumer Direct Business line. What was the first thing you did? It sounded like you were establishing the brand, and then walk through what were some of the other steps.
1: Yeah, so I think the first and the most important thing was for us to figure out what type of consumer direct channel we wanted to have. And by that I really mean like where is where is your volume coming from? What is your setup going to be? Once you figure out what your setup's going to be whether it's doing, you know, data leads, rate table advertising, you know, having a call center, direct mail, once you establish that, then you can really understand what type of staffing do i need to make this work you know how what's our minimum number of loan officers what do we need on the operation side so once we decided this is the type of consumer direct channel we wanted to have then, then we really dove into technology let's let's get everything set up to give our loan officers the tools to do their job correctly so that was really kind of steps 1 and 2 of how we got the ball rolling
0: And so what did you work on once you had the strategy down? I mean, what was the length of time that that took you? That's not something you do in a day. So how did you what was the time frame for that before you went into the technology component?
1: Yeah. So lucky enough, the the overall strategy of the, the type of consumer direct channel we wanted to run was something that we flushed out right at the beginning it, it was a very similar setup to the one that i had at my previous job so a lot of that groundwork was done so, so for me that was easy but i think that that's something that it, you know should take more time than you think it's going to take and, and those decisions are very important so i wouldn't try to rush into let's get something built i would spend a lot of time on that business plan and, and that idea of setup before you really rush into get doing anything else
0: So do you find, and again, not just at your lender, but maybe at other lenders, that when it's a retail business who's now adding a consumer direct business line, that there's a conflict or there's not really an understanding of the dynamics? Talk about that.
1: That's a really, really interesting question. And I think it's a question that has a lot of layers. Let me start at the beginning. So for me, when we're, we're developing a consumer direct channel at a retail bank, the, the things that I found most important personally that I really wanted to strive to create was, let's piggyback off of what the retail channel does well. And the retail channel that I worked for was very service oriented, customer first, five star reviews, really well known entity in their area. You wanted to have those same values volume isn't going to be first the reputation and the customer service is going to be first and foremost and then the volume will come so so that was something we tried to do let's piggyback off of those strengths we do a lot of purchasing consumer direct because i think most retail channels focus on purchase so you have the setup you have the operation staff you have the knowledge to deal with that longer loan cycle which i think could be a benefit in consumer direct not not just doing refi but but having multiple channels and that's really easy when you have you know a retail base that's used to doing that type of business you know as for uh you know adding consumer direct to a retail channel i think that that's a very it's a very sensitive area because retail is what made our business our company is successful because the retail brand has been successful for a decade and they they do great business and what you want to do is you don't want to infringe on any of that business. You don't want to compete in the same areas. You want to be a channel to allow that great service and that great company to flourish into areas that that you can't reach with a regular retail arm just because it's not financially feasible to have brick and mortar establishments across the country, or at least for a company our size, it's not feasible to do that. So this is a way to really extend that great brand and that great company to areas that you might not have been able to reach before.
0: So when you establish the strategy, it sounds like you were just trying to build off of the purchase uh, money strategy, which is pretty unique because many consumer direct call centers are viewed as just refi shops. What's your thoughts on that? The reason that
1: I like to to focus a little bit on purchase, and and when I say that, that's not our our primary objective. We take what the market gives us. If it's a heavy refi market, we'll write refis. But doing purchase on the consumer direct side is something i always gravitated towards because then you're really not at the mercy of the market there's always purchase business to be had no matter where rates are people are always going to move they're always going to buy new homes with the retail market that's not necessarily true and i think when you're used to doing purchase to pivot to refi in a hot market is a lot easier on your staff than to try to pivot to purchase because if you haven't sold purchase, you're not used to a purchase loan cycle, maybe you don't have the marketing set up for longer life cycles, all of that stuff is very difficult and, and it's hard to turn on a dime if you're not used to doing it. Where for us, you start out on what might be you know, a, a little harder business to get, it's really easy to shift the other way. So that, that, that's kind of why I've always gravitated toward that strategy.
0: That's really a great point. And I'm just curious on a lot of times what I hear executives say is that a purchase money at a call center is impossible to do. You obviously don't feel that way.
1: Yeah, I think that it really might have a lot to do with where you're getting your leads from. Because I think if you're doing, you know, maybe a direct mail or you're doing some of these other avenues, it's really not easy to advertise towards purchase because, how do you identify those people? It it's very easy with the data we have available to identify ReFi. You're pulling sure. you know, public record data, you're pulling loan data, you know when a refi makes sense. How do you target a purchase with that type of strategy? Now, if you're if you're buying data leads, you're doing rate table, you're you're doing some other sources it's pretty easy to identify because you just set a budget for those type of leads. So you really get the people coming to you. It's not you going out to find the people. So that that'll make a purchase strategy a a little more simple.
0: That's a great point for sure. So once you have the strategy down and now you're doing, you went to technology and what was the first technology that you were looking at?
1: CRM was definitely the first technology that we really dove into. And I think, On Consumer Direct, CRM is so important. And if you're from a retail channel, you might not, I don't want to say you don't understand, but you might not put the priority on on CRM because the the follow-up, the organization might not be that important, especially for people that have been in the business. You have your pipeline, you know how to do your work. On the Consumer Direct side, the CRM is really where you live more so than the LOS. It's where you pick up all your leads where you prioritize your call strategy, where you do your follow-up, that automated marketing that's so important in consumer direct to stay you know, in front of your borrower's face at all times. So CRM, I I definitely feel like it's the most important, and and that's where I dove in first. So what type of
0: capabilities are you wanting out of the CRM? Because there's just a million CRMs out there.
1: Yeah. So some important things for me with the CRM is I want loan officers to be able to Easily pick up their loans. Have a clear and concise strategy for how they make calls and follow up. That's number one. You have to be able to intake the data easily. You have to be able to identify how you interact with the data, and then move on to the the next call or the next client very seamlessly without doing a lot of clicks, without wasting a lot of time. So that's you know number one. That's most important. Number two is I look for a CRM company that's on the cutting edge of the business that has You know, newer technology, open APIs, those types of things make it a lot easier to integrate with all of the new tools that are coming, that are going to continue to come, tools that we haven't thought of, that we haven't seen yet. If your CRM doesn't have newer technology and the ability to integrate easily, it's going to be very difficult to add what could be the next game-changing tool whenever it comes out.
0: That's also another great point. So have you used artificial intelligence in any of this?
1: haven't gotten too big into the AI yet. Mm-hmm. I haven't found a, a lot that's really going to add value. I, I think that we're close. And I think that there's a lot of tools. I don't know if you'd necessarily call them AI, probably not. But there, there's, you know, some database retention tools that are pretty smart that, that leverage, um, uh, you know, a lot of different public record and, and other data to kind of give you that borrower in market experience or try to, you know, give you an alert to beat when the borrower is going to become in market. So I'd say that's probably the closest I've gotten to, to using an AI, even though that's not an AI. But like some of those tools, I, I think have been built out pretty well. And I'm leaning on those in kind of really waiting for that next big AI tool that really adds that same kind of value, and, and maybe does it in a, in a little better manner.
0: So Nick, after the CRM, any other technologies that were important for you to have to get this off the ground?
1: CRM is a definite must. 100% you have to have it. I, I think a, a good POS, I wouldn't say it's 100% necessary, but I think a good POS can really help your business and help your loan officers uh, alleviate a lot of their work. So that was really where we went. I mean, LOS, we already had established so it was CRM, then POS. And then from there, start building on those little tools that that can help your business, whether it's, you know, database retention, some home search tools, some of those other things. Those are a little more down the line, but they're things you always want to be, you know, cognizant to have ready to build into your system once you're ready.
0: And so once you moved from the technology, what was the next part when you're starting a consumer direct business from scratch? Once the technology
1: was set and, and we had some staff, we had some loan officers ready to go. So once the technology was set, it was let's start getting some data in the system. Let's start buying some leads. Let's start having the loan officers start making some calls. And then from there, it's really a constant strategy update almost daily. You're you're fixing your process, you're doing training, you're, you're looking at your lead sources and, and your conversion. You're really kind of heavily diving into to data in, in the ways that you can make both your process and your loan officers more efficient.
0: So you took loan officers you already had, so you did not hire new ones. You took people that were already within your culture and did they volunteer to become part of this effort or how did that work
1: yeah we we had some people that that volunteered that were some successful retail loan officers that were either you know maybe looking for another avenue to do a little bit more business or who had graciously just offered up their services to say hey we know the way business is supposed to be done we know what you're trying to accomplish here let's get some loans in the door. And we're really going to understand how is this process different? What changes do we need to make to our infrastructure that's already in place to really tailor it towards this group and make it run as efficiently as possible?
0: Well, they're great employees that they were willing to do that. So that's a wonderful thing. Anything else? Because we only have a few more minutes left
1: yeah i mean i would just like to reiterate i mean the most important thing is going to be figure out the identity of the consumer direct channel that you want to run first and foremost most important understand the type of company you want to be and the type of staffing that you're going to need to run that company successfully and then don't be afraid to alter those plans it's good to have a plan going in but once you start getting some data and once you start getting some feedback don't be afraid to to make changes and i always really say let, let the data tell me how to manage as we start looking at loan officers lead sources conversion really look at all that data and then the things that are working do more of the things that aren't working you know try to get them out of your process and, and maybe try some new and different things
0: So, Nick, one last question. How long did it take you before you actually closed a loan? And you're starting with a strategy that you're putting in place and everything. I'm just curious.
1: Uh, You you want to know from from start when we first kind of got everything on board to? Yes. So, yeah, I think um, I, I started in August, and I think we closed our first loan in March, all right. So it it, it was it did take us a little while. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't happen overnight, as you alluded to earlier.
0: No, that's why I said, I think that actually was quick. So I want to thank you for all your great insight. It, it was terrific. And I want to thank everyone for listening. We certainly are grateful for you spending time with us. Thanks so much, Nick.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much, Pat.
0: Thanks for listening to our podcast. We appreciate you spending time with us. If your sales team needs training in hiring and lead generation, schedule a free consultation by emailing me at psherlock at qfsconsulting.com.